Good evening. Good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. Awesome. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for those uh, gracious words, and uh, thank you so much, church family, because um, I'm not here today because of my own merits. I'm, I'm here be today because, because of the Lord. I'm here today because God's blessed me with a great family. God's, I'm here today because God's blessed me with uh, wonderful Christian friends, people to serve with, people to serve, and just uh, love being part of this church. And i thank thankful to Pastor for this opportunity to preach tonight. Wasn't really sure about to preach at first, but then I always asked uh, the Lord, like, Lord, uh, what do I tell these folks that I don't get a chance to speak to from time to time? But I remembered something that uh, Brother Howells used to do. Brother Howells used to read, I heard the book of Acts every single week for power. And so I said, Lord, I need something for, to give people power, or something to just kind of encourage them tonight. So if you have your Bibles today, turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And uh, we'll be reading from uh, verse 1 all the way to verse uh, chapter 8. Now, thankfully, we've been getting a lot of short preaching, and uh, I'm hoping that mine will stay within that range. <laughs> Everyone was asking me, like, are you ready for tonight? I said, yeah, I think I'm ready for tonight. I think I'll probably be out of here maybe around 8.30, 9.30. But since we need the, uh, since the financial office staff, we want to make sure they get in there and get them out. Uh, definitely try to keep this short today. So let's, uh, let's read together. Former treatise, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but he shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but ye shall receive power... After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Let's pray, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I praise and thank you for this church. Lord, I praise and thank you for these people. Lord, it's been my family's pleasure just to be in this church, and be part of this church family, and and, Lord, I pray that you continue to bless every single person here tonight, and also those that couldn't make it, Lord. Lord, please give me brevity. Most importantly, give me your power. Lord, strengthen us and be with us as we go into your word today. Lord, we praise and thank you for it. Lord, I pray that what's preached tonight will help not only someone tonight, but maybe help uh, our country in this uh, desperate, desperate time. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the book of Acts, the book of Acts is uh, one of my favorite books because whenever I read the Gospels, it's like the, the Gospel of Luke, part two. That's why I always like to review it. 
But in the book of Acts, we have a group of 120 disciples. But at this point, these 120 disciples have been discipled by Jesus Christ for almost an entire month. And in addition to the Great Commission, Jesus in Acts 1 gives two additional commands. And he commands the disciples to stay in Jerusalem and to wait for God's promise of his power. And then here... With Jesus, he's expounded the scriptures to them. He's strengthened their faith, and he's told them of the future. But at the end of all this training, we don't see the disciples just so full of zeal and said, hey, let's go. Let's go, and let's get the job done. Let's just go. Lord, let's just go and get the gospel out there. But instead, Jesus gives them the command to stay and to wait. So these men and women at the dawning of the church age, they had to undergo this training of staying and waiting. And it's a practice that they would be repeated throughout the days of their lives. Some would stay and wait in synagogues. Others would stay and wait in homes. Some in jails. Some in exile. And also some would stay and wait in places hours before their execution. And my hope My hope is that in the next few minutes, we get to learn to appreciate the great lessons that God wants to show us when we stay and when we wait, and also be able to strengthen our patience and obedience that may often falter in the world today. Let's take a look at the first part that says the command to stay and to wait. In Psalm 62, verse 2, it says, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. When Jesus gives this command to stay, he says that he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Now, what is a trait that we can look at in terms of this command? One key trait that we can look at is obedience. Can we follow God's command? And as Acts chapter 1 verse 12 says, that they returned unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is Jerusalem a Sabbath's day's journey. So right in the onset, you can see that the disciples, they followed. They obeyed when they stayed. I'm sure this is an example that um, Mr. Vasek could understand, my dad could understand, uh, Brother Gary could understand, and perhaps Brother, uh, Brother Steve can also stand, and Brother Mark can also understand. It's guard duty. I was doing uh, some research on it, and according to the first general order of sentry duty for the U.S. Army, it states that I will guard everything within the limits of my post and quit my post only when properly relieved. Now, that's a great analogy, basically, of what Jesus is telling us to do. Jesus is the commanding officer, but also know that Jesus is the relief. But we're supposed to stay in our post until we are relieved. And it is an act of obedience. And as 1 Samuel 15, 22 states, and Samuel, has, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delights in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. My question today is, can we obey? Can we obey the word of the Lord, the commands that he's given us, that's the only way that we can show our love to God, if we can obey his commands. Second trait that we can take a look at in this simple command is resolve. 
resolve. Can you stay where God puts you? In Acts 1.14, the first part of Acts 1.14 states, these all continued. That means that no matter what happened in Jerusalem, they still continued. In Luke 9.62, Jesus says, and Jesus, uh, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. God has told us to stay in certain places, to remember certain places, to stay in certain things, but there's always going to be certain things that's going to want to push us away. There's always going to be something that's going to make us want to turn the plow one way or the other. And I recall one of my favorite um, Old Testament characters is Nehemiah. I, I, I love Nehemiah. If you study the book of Nehemiah and if you are in like uh, human relations or you're, uh, you're somebody that's a manager, if you study how Nehemiah handles that situation, you've got an HR manual that is definitely something that will get you through. A lot of people laughing about that, but it's absolutely true. That, you know, you don't need all of those different policies. You just need this. This is all you need. This is like uh, the Bible, an acronym of the Bible is that basic instructions before leaving earth. Everything that we need to know is in this book. And everything that we need to, to know to govern everything is in this book. But Nehemiah, oh, going back to Nehemiah, we got two guys, Shanbalat and Geshem. Uh, they're like weasels. Pastor always likes to describe like people who are sly or anything. It's like weasels. And so Shanbalat and Geshem, these two little weasels, they're like, hey, there's that Nehemiah guy. He's on that wall. We got to take that guy down. Yeah, let's take that guy down. So they go up and they're like, hey, Nehemiah, what's up, man? Come on down to the wall. Just, just, just come down. But Nehemiah, he just stands on that wall. He doesn't even, like, go down himself to tell them what he's about to say. He says, and I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? I say there's things that God's told us to stay in. There's things that uh, God's told us that we need to occupy and stand in. But the world wants to take us away from it. And if the world's supposed to do that, I say we say the same thing that Nehemiah says. It says, I cannot come down. I can't come down to your level. I can't come down to where you are. I can't come down to where you're going to compromise or where you want me to be because I've got a great work to do right here. And that's a great thing that we can learn from the command to stay. But there's also a command to wait. It says, Jesus said, but wait for the promise of the Father which saith he ye have heard of me. Now, when we think about waiting, the first thing that we can think about is like, oh, patience. Patience. You just got to know how to wait. But I think it's a specific kind of patience. In Romans 8.25, it says, but if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. So it's not just a kind of patience where you just sit around and wait. It's a faithful patience. I'm a hockey fan. There's not too many hockey fans left, I think, in our congregations ever since Nick left. So I'm the only one basically left. So mom was like saying, how are you going to be able to like express this, uh, this thing if like, nobody knows about hockey? Well, 
Everybody knows about hockey. And I'm a Rangers fan. And I recall at one time the Rangers were playing against the Vancouver Canucks. And then the Rangers were basically going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. They keep shooting the puck, and then it goes ping, and then they keep shooting the puck, and then the goalie makes a really good save. It's just constant, constant barrage on the opposing goalie, and they cannot seem to score. But in overtime, they finally win. And when the stat sheets finally came about, the New York Rangers had shot 49 times just to shoot three goals. And so the sportscasters took a look at that, and they said, you know what, was the, what the Rangers needed was patience. Because there's a lot of times where we try to go and do something, and it doesn't hit the mark. There's a lot of times where we do try to do something, and it just doesn't get there. We're just got to keep at Just got to keep at it. We just got to stay with it and wait faithfully. Can we have that patience? Can you be just like Sarah? Can you be just like Abraham? Can you be just like David? I just pictured David back in the wilderness. He's just there. He's got that sling. Oh, man, I've missed it. But nope, take that sling again. Rats, I missed it. But you know what? Every single time, he's getting a little bit closer with that sling because he's got that faithful Patience. Can you also be like, have that faithful patience just like the disciples did prior to Pentecost? Waiting a while before God answers is, can be really tough. But there is a difference with waiting and faithful patience. Waiting is just doing this. Uh huh. Yep. Waiting. But faithful patience is expectant. It, it, there, there's something I don't see yet what God is going to do, but God's going to do it. And I'm just going to wait until it happens. And I'm going to just wait faithfully because I believe that God is going to do something. In terms of faithful patience, what is the best way that we can exercise faithful patience? Is working while waiting. Acts chapter 114, we have now the disciples in that upper room, and they are there. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brethren. They were waiting, but while they were waiting, they were doing something. While they were waiting, they were doing something. If you uh, remember the story in Luke chapter 19, 13, it's the story about the the master who's going to be leaving 10 pounds to his 10 servants. It says in Luke 19, 13, and he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said to them, occupy till I come. Now, at first we think of that word occupy. We think that right now you are occupying a certain seat in the auditorium. You're saying that, that, oh, I'm here and I'm occupying this particular seat. But if you go to the Greek word, which I'm going to butcher, I'm sure, but the word for occupy is pragmatkamai. Pragmatkamai, which is where we get the word pragmatic. And the word pragmatkamai, pragmatkamai means to keep busy. To keep busy. The only reason, the only way that we can show our Christianity is to keep busy. I was, uh, 
when we went on our, our trip to Bermuda, <laughs> I was kind of joking with mom and dad while we were on the, um, on, the, on the cruise. And I was like, you know, what if Jesus comes back today? What if Jesus, like, what if we're on the cruise? Or what if it's a Saturday <laughs> and we're on our way back from Bermuda and that's when Jesus comes. I'll be like, you couldn't have come last week. I was on the bus route last week. Why'd you have to come find me on a vacation? <laughs> but it's so true. Jesus could come back at any time. And would we want him to see us not occupying till he comes? Do we want him to see us just like saying, no, Lord, I'll get to it. I'll get to that soul winning bus one day. Lord, I'll get to it. I'll, um, I'll get to maybe helping out in the bus route. Lord, I'll get, I'll get to it. But there might be a point where God's there and says, like, and you can't say I'll get to it because he's already here. But that's what we need to do. We need to occupy. Occupy till he comes. Now, let's say we do stay and wait. Let's say we're right there in the fight. We've got it. We're obedient to what God is saying, and we're working there's going to be challenges. There's definitely going to be challenges because devil, devil's like, wait a minute. That church, they've got it. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I'm going to send some challenges. And the things that the devil sends in terms of challenges is in 1 John 2.16. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. If you want to know what's going to be a challenge to us staying, it's going to be those things. Because the world's going to just want to just divert you from that. But what's our counter? What's our counter? What's the thing that we can use to combat that? Oh, because the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life Someone very close to us all went through that, and that's Jesus in his temptation in the wilderness. And now Jesus didn't go like, hey, Satan, buzz off. And he could have said that, and, it would have, and Satan would have had to do it, but he didn't. What I love about our Savior, what I love about our Savior is that he is an example to us. I love how he is an example to us. And he doesn't use his power. He just gives us an example so that when Satan gets in our face, we've got something to counter him with. And that is the word of God. Three times he's attacked by Satan. And three times Jesus just goes, it is written. It is written. It is written. How many times when we are tempted by God to be diverted away from what he needs us to do, when the Satan or anybody else comes and tries to divert at, how many times have we been able to say, it is written? It's difficult. I know, Christian life's not easy. It's simple, but it's not, it's not easy. And because of this, we fail. We fail to 
to be the kind of Christian that they talk about in Ephesians 4.14. It says that we were henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. We always hear about the thing that like if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. And what better thing to stand with than the word of God? Because the, the devil is working overtime to stop the work that we are trying to do. And when he gets in our face, we put this back in his face. But how good are we in doing that? And the challenge is in waiting. Challenges in waiting. There's a lot of great examples of people waiting in the Bible, but I wanted to find one that uh, in which people fail in waiting. And the best example I could come find is was in Exodus chapter 32. We've got ourselves a whole lot of Israelites, and they're just sitting there waiting. Moses is up in the mountain. He's having a great time with God, but then all of a sudden, you've got all these Israelites saying, "Where's Moses at? Hey." Where's Moses at? Where's Moses? Hey, where's Moses? And then they go to Aaron and say, hey, up, make us gods which, has, which shall go before us for us. As for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. Is there something that's missing in that, uh, in that claim? Is missing God. In the, I mean, think about it. And there's three things that that thing, that in terms of their relationship with God, it's three things that they lack. First, it's a lack of relationship with God because they forgot that it was God who did it. It's a lack of remembrance that it's God who gave, who let the plagues go, who got them out of Egypt, fed them in the wilderness, and all, and all the different blessings that were given. That's God who did that. But the other thing that they failed to do was a lack of repentance, even though that they were already at that point. How come nobody out of all of those Israelites didn't say, whoa, guys, hold on. Hold on a second. Let's think this for a second. There's no repentance there. Why is there no repentance there? Because there's no relationship there. And what's the solution to this? The solution to this? Oh, it's very simple. Acts 1.14, that we said it before, and these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Why is prayer the answer to all three of these things? Lack of relationship, that's solved because since you're praying, you've got this great communication with God. It's like this communing with him, saying, hey, God, how are you doing? God, you know, this is what happened today. It was really, really good. You know, ever when, when your kids come home and then you, they tell them, hey, how was your day? It was, oh, it was great. You know, I did this, I did that. We should have that with God as well. A lack of, and then the, the remembrance, when you get in your prayer closet and you just start to think about what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do, that'll be a blessing to your heart. And, that, and then you'll have, you won't have that lack of remembrance. And also, if you're in your prayer closet, you'll repent when you mess up. He's faithful and just to forgive us, but the only way that you're going to do that is in your prayer closet. And the other thing is that when, when you start to reach that upper level of serving God and staying and waiting in God's work, there's that phrase where it says it's new levels and there's new devils. 
And so there's going to be a more fervent prayer that's going to be needed. It's one of those situations like when the, when the disciples came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, they tried to cast out this, this demon out of this, uh, this young man, and that they seemed to have not, they couldn't do it. And Jesus says in Mark 9, 29, and he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And when there is a great work that is being done by God's people, there's going to be this kind that's going to want to stop it. And the only way that it's going to be cast out, prayer and fasting. So we've gone through so much in terms of the command of staying and waiting, the challenges of staying and waiting. Now I want to go through the consequences of staying and waiting. I used to think that consequences always meant the bad things, but actually consequences just means result. So in terms of consequence, there's goods and there's bad. Now the good thing, the great thing about the, the, the apostles during the, the, the upper room, the 120, the great thing of them staying and waiting was they got God's power. They got God's power. And Jesus said it. He said, Acts 1, he says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. And it's awesome. You've got Peter. Peter, who just a few, a month ago was like saying, I go a fishing. I'm going to leave and pack this all up. And then a couple of days before that, say, oh, I don't know who Jesus is. Sorry. Uh, no, no, I don't know who he is. But then, 40 days afterwards, staying and waiting, praying, being with one accord with everybody, he gets up and he preaches. Tons of people are saved. And then from there, there's different kinds of people that are saved. There's a, an Ethiopian eunuch that gets saved. And then there is an Italian general that gets saved. And then even one of the people that persecuted them. Not only gets, does he get saved, but Paul become, Saul becomes Paul. And we all know what happens with that. And he just goes out and does a great work. And a great example of God's power is just like a hydroelectric dam. How many of you have been to the um, Hoover Dam? The Hoover Dam. In, okay. The Hoover Dam is an impressive piece of work. We went there a few years back. And then as we saw it. It's like there's so many generators. There's so many things ticking and going through. And it's, it's impressive. It's so great. But then I realized something. That, that, that uh, the Hoover Dam is nothing without the power of water. It's nothing. It's just a big, fancy wall. Just as a Christian is just a big, fancy wall without the power of God behind them. And that's what staying and waiting yields. The bad. The bad is... uh, Probably a lot closer than you think. A good example of it biblically really is the consequences that happened to the Israelites during that time. Uh, 3,000 Israelites were killed by the Levites. There was a visitation by the angel, which was for God to visit their, his, their sin upon them, and there's a plague. It's a great biblical example. A better example 
is America today. The status quo right now is that we are an embodiment of what Hosea 4.1 states. It says, Hear ye the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, there is no mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. A great example of people not staying and waiting is America itself. Because we didn't stay to the things that made this country great. We didn't stay in the Bible. We didn't stay and go on to church. We didn't stay in serving God. We didn't stay in loving Him. We didn't stay in prayer. We've taken out God in the schools. We've taken prayer out in the schools. It's a, such a shocking thing that even back in the, tw- like the 20s and 30s, even the media had God all over it. But nowadays, it's a miracle if we hear, if we see something that actually even the, the, even the things that try to resemble anything that is of God it's fake. It's not, it's not of God. And this uh, studying for this, it made me think of uh, one time in church ed in Hiles Anderson College. There was, we get a chance to, to talk to a lot of different preachers, and then we get a chance to ask them questions. And so one preacher came up, and so I got a chance to ask him a question. I asked him, uh, sir, what's the problem that we've got, or the greatest challenge that we have in evangelizing the Northeast. He said, son, there's two main things. First thing is that people trust in their money in the Northeast. The second thing is people trust in their education because of their money and their education. They don't have time for God. And that really hit me hard. But he says, but actually, there's one more thing that's really preventing the Northeast, or that's a really big, difficult, a major challenge in reaching the Northeast. And it's because people do not stay. And I said, people don't stay. Pastors leave. People in church leave. And I said, okay, well, that's a pretty general term. But then I came across a very shocking poll. In 2014, Gallup, the, uh, it's a poll service, a very reliable one. They did a survey on religious service attendance. And the, the numbers are sad. And this is only two years ago. So when they conducted this survey, they calculated what the percentage was of people who did not attend religious services in these particular states. Vermont, 71% didn't attend. New Hampshire, 63%. Maine, 65%. Massachusetts, 47%. New York was 51%. And the state of Connecticut itself was 54%. And so I said, oh, percentages, that doesn't really make any sense. So what if we took the populations of those states and applied that percentage? After doing the calculations, get this. In 2014, almost 17 million people in New England and New York seldom or never return, go to church. That's a great example of 
not staying and waiting. But even more so, that's probably a result of us not staying and waiting. Because every single one of those persons, yes, they say religious attendance, but let's just say that every single one of those people were not in church they didn't get a chance to hear the gospel at all. So that, that statistic of 17 million people just in New England and New York are going to hell. Because we did not stay and wait. Revival is something we all want. And revival will not happen because of some great meeting. Revival will not happen because of some great preaching that somebody does. Revival will not happen because a new philosophy is, is, is created or an ideology is created or a new man is elected in office. Revival will happen the same way that revival always has happened. Revival will happen because people stayed and wait and prayed for God's power to come down. 120 men and women under the command of Jesus were able to turn the course of history. It's not because of their merits, not because of their training, but because their hearts were in tune together to be in one accord in prayer and in supplication, staying in their place in obedience, waiting in faith, and because of their diligence, Christianity thrived and Christianity grew. I look at Look at us tonight. We're not very different. There's about 120 people here most of the time. If you look outside from here, you could tell that this is like an upper room. And we weren't in first century Judea, but we sure know about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's something we're very familiar with. And no doubt, if we continue to stay in our place, waiting on God, God's promises of his power, and, for, and begging God, begging God, begging God to make a change, something will happen. Lives will be changed. But if we don't, maybe a one of our young men who's going to be up here preaching is going to look at the Gallup polls from 2022 and read similar statistics as I have, but they will be much, much greater. The only way that we can make a change in America today is if we learn how to stay and wait. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you.